Hello everyone and welcome to the Rethink Energy podcast. Every week the team at Rethink Energy provides a a fresh perspective on events that have happened in the energy world. I'm Peter White, CEO of Rethink. As usual I've got some of our analysts here but not all of them. I've got uh, Andrew Swantanar, our solar specialist. Hello. Meanwhile hydrogen and wind specialist Harry Morgan who's travelling to meet with clients in in the States is on a train and the train doesn't have reliable Wi-Fi so he's going to have to miss this episode. On the show today, we're going to be discussing the outcomes of the New York wind auctions. We'll have to delve into what's going on in Ukraine and the the increasing conflict there and see if we can add any sense. I mean, there's been an ocean of words written about it in the last few days, but everyone's got an opinion. Well, yeah, we'll we'll try and add ours. And if we get time, we're going to see if um, we're going to look at Nikola, the car company, if, if its progress has done enough to reinflate its uh, stock market value. It hasn't moved so far. And I think our first topic was Harry's piece on offshore wind in the United States, wasn't it? It was uh, just a huge leasing round with 7 gigawatts awarded and $4.4 billion in immediate investment and four to six Jones Act compliant installation vessels coming into, into play pretty soon. So this is the way Harry approached this. It's just the largest ever leasing round. And so 4.4 billion, I mean, I think there might have been more um, uh, billions spent in leasing airwaves for telecoms, but in energy, nothing like it. And this is just for installations in the New York Bight, which is sort of an area of water off the coast of New York. They've allocated seven gigawatts of wind power. Given that America currently only ha- still only has 42 megawatts, and that this all has to be built by 2030. I think it is the the starting gun for the wind industry in the States. I mean, Joe Biden promised that that's what he'd do. One of the key things he said he'd do is he'd make permitting easier. It looks like that pretty much has happened. I think a year ago, he put a new leader into uh, the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management. She was um, had previously been a New York on the New York side of climate change and and that's obviously had had an impact because the bureau of ocean energy management under trump was an obstacle and did not allow uh, permits to go ahead and here we are only 2022 only a couple of years into the biden administration and we we seem to just over a year in fact we seem to have real permission and real incentives i mean there, there were six chunks of um the largest lease is to bite wind holdings which turns out to be rwe and the uk's national grid that's a fairly unholy alliance but um rwe is very strong in renewables national grid is strong in um in connecting things so another collaboration between uh, shell and edf energy again these companies all have slightly different skills skill sets but they're all well established in the states and edp renewables and ng a french company are also in partnership so i mean this is virtually a european uh, takeover of offshore wind in the states and I think it's. I think that's all it is. It's the starting gun. It's a lot more than people had expected, and it's. A, it should provide enough to power ten million homes. So, if you are a reader of the uh, PDF version, there's a nice little map there. 
And it's all listed in detail who got what, what the dates are, and what have been the permitting obstacles so far. We've got more auctions of this type as you go south uh, along the coast from uh, New York, Rhode Island in Massachusetts, then all the way over into California, all, all coming up in the near, near future. So, uh, you know, this is the starting gun, and it looks like the investors, uh, primarily a European bunch of investors, are going to be pushing it harder than, than perhaps anyone ever expected. So... With another week that's gone by, what do we now think about the European and Western reaction to uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and our desire to not buy anything from them at all? Um, I, sh- I tried to write an article this week about what the US, what the West is doing uh, in terms of accelerating renewables, and I unfortunately I came to the conclusion: well, we're not actually doing anything new yet. It has only been a week, which is a bit too not enough time for a new policy proposal. But you see, the Green Party in Germany conceding to the necessity maybe of firing up coal plants again and delaying um, nuclear plants, uh, decommissioning dates, and uh, British politicians praising their existing strategy instead of coming up with something new and, and so on. So so what do we think is going to happen really around the world um, because of this Russian thing? What's going to happen to uh, energy? Well, I think you can just take the temperature of the, of, of the West. I think that's about all we can do. We're not on the ground. We don't know what's going on. We, I think you can take the temperature of how the Western world feels about it very clearly, which is let's not buy any more oil and gas from Russia ever again. Now, no, we can't stop that. We, we, you know, we we've we analysed it out last week. Everybody else has analysed it out. We are, you know, reliant on in Europe. On, uh, I mean, Germany, forty percent reliant, and other countries slightly less so for for Russian gas to a lesser extent. Oil, the oil can be fixed. Um, you could blockade uh, Russian oil, and the world might might survive. But the gas, you have to, on the one hand, continue to buy uh, natural gas from Russia through its pipeline, and on the other hand, revile it and um, and hold it to account and. One thing we can be absolutely sure of is this is going to accelerate the planning to move off gas, uh, certainly in Europe. And so we, we should expect in the next six months, uh, countries, Germany, um, France, uh, UK, uh, Italy especially, and Spain, to come up with plans which say this is how we aim to get off gas. And they need to bring in incentives and um, and subsidies for moving uh, to get off gas in heating they need to, to bring subsidies in for heat pumps uh, to individual homes they, that's been tried in the uk and it's failed because it wasn't done very well so that'll have to be readdressed and brought back to the table obviously there's going to be the other half of the equation is that the north sea gas i mean there were calls for opening up the the land for fracking uh, i don't think that's realistic and i don't think people understand that any gas that's that's brought um, to the surface in Europe is sold to the highest bidder through the gas markets. You don't say, oh, I've got a UK company, I've, I've given them permission in the UK to, to take some gas uh, out of the North Sea and expect it to come to the UK. It doesn't. It goes to the, to the gas markets. It, it's sold at the current price. Yes, increased availability from the North Sea a few years may lead to a gradual lessening in price, but it'll only be slow. Everyone in the gas market is laughing all the way to the bank because they're making a killing. Um, They can sell as much gas as they can lay their hands on. But at the same time, 
that's made gas toxic to the whole community. Everybody wants to say, right, can we cut off the Russian gas? How soon can we cut it off? Let's start planning for it now. It could be that um, once we see an end to the conflict, however it ends, that um, people forget these promises. It's unlikely that the voters will. Politicians would do well to remember that. In a five to seven year time frame we can lessen the total amount of gas used in Europe and, and therefore probably eliminate Russian gas. But it's going to take a long time and there is no doubt that they're going to have to deal with the consequences of the result of the war, whichever way it goes. You know, they'll still be dealing with Putin for a long time to come uh, unless the best thing of all worlds happens is they realise that, that he's a madman and are removing from power. I mean, I want to to jump in on that thought because we've sanctioned a lot of places like Syria, Iran, Venezuela, and it never actually overthrew them, Cuba as well. And another thing is that Putin might even be replaced by someone who's more anti-Western if he gets replaced. But I, I have a, a question, which is, we know what this is doing in the West. It's going to accelerate the renewables agenda, even if there isn't a political will, which there clearly is. Um, from this crisis, the, the gas prices going up alone already heavily incentivise us switching away from it more swiftly than we were going to. But what is it going to do in, in China and India? Yeah, well, I, I mean, if I thought about that today. I was thinking about China. It's got a long-term 2060 plan to get off fossil fuels. We've mapped that as, as getting off coal earlier, and then, but, but at, the, at the expense of using more gas. And I don't see any reason for that to change. And I don't see any reason for China to change that promise and not get off fossil fuels. More or less, nothing's changed. It will increase its use of natural gas, both as a heating fuel for homes and industry and for electricity generation. And and probably as much as 30% higher than it is today over time. But then it will start going down again. And China is is a bit dependent on Russian gas itself already, isn't it? it it's not. It's not entirely. I mean, China is very careful how it buys any th- resource, and it gets best price. The agreement it signed recently for the second pipeline uh, from Russia into China has been on and off for ten years, and they started building it, and and then stopped building it and when china changed its mind it's not a sudden decision and and it gets uh, gas from qatar it used to get gas from australia um, i think its relations with australia are quite, are quite sour at the moment so yeah there'll be an increase in in uh, gas from russia and russia will be able to sell more gas so the gas that europe decides not to take from russia will still be sold, no question. The oil Europe decides not to take from Russia will still be sold. And the as prices ease, and we can't say when that will be, because it, it could be three or four or five years, we will see, you know, that it, it will eventually go down, but that will be sustained by increased usage in China. But you start looking out beyond the five-year time frame, you see a, a huge drop in the use of oil in China. They, they, they want to get off of um, ICE vehicles by 2035. And they'll set the incentives higher uh, to do that. And as a result, the transition will, will start accelerating. You know, if, if Even 10 years out from that deadline, no one wants to start making buying new cars, which are petrol-driven, which have only got a lifetime of 10 years. 
Most cars have a license number 15 or 20. China doesn't really have a policy on uh, when when cars are taken out of service. It, it's, it's not so advanced as uh, the Western America on that subject. But, you know, the lifetime there is probably 20 years for a car. So if you, you, you're going to be halving the economic life of a car if you buy it with uh, petrol. So four or five years out, that's definitely going to start going down. Long term, Russia will reap the consequences of this. People will accelerate renewables uh, and its best partners, China in particular, are going to stick to their own agenda. And yes, that will be an increase in the gas it uses from Russia for a while, but eventually they're going to stick to their plan and that will be an elimination by 2060. Someone's going to have to pick up the, the bill for all of this. And the Russian economy, the Russian people, usually suffer. It's a tradition that Russians always um, uh, understand long-term suffering because that's the nature of their leadership. But, but this is going to be, I think, quite savage. I think this is an idiotic move by Putin. I think this is insane. I think the way he's going about it is creating unpopularity in the, the West. And I think that in the end... He will damage, it will knock a big hole in the Russian economy and have nowhere to go. Now, if he plans to live and lead for another 10 years, he'll, he'll have to answer for that. I doubt, I think that we've sown the seeds of his uh, destruction in these moves. And I think, however it comes about, Putin is, uh, is going to be no longer leading the, the Russian uh, bloc in a much shorter space of time than he expects. On a lighter note, I just want to we just to finish up. There's um, I got to declare an interest in uh, in Nikola. I uh, actually own some shares, but only because I bought them because of this story. The um, Nikola had its results, and it's had a really hard time. It was valued a little over a year ago, uh, September 2020. It was valued at 20 billion dollars on the stock market, or rather the company it was going to uh, reverse into was valued at that. Today, it's worth $3 billion, so it's, it's lost most of its value. It has plenty of money in the bank. It was going to make hydrogen trucks. It's now currently making electric trucks, but with a view to um, moving on to hydrogen. It did have a deal with General Motors to make uh, a pickup that looked very funky, and it turns out, and General Motors dropped that after the short seller Hindenburg Research revealed that the, some of the trucks uh, were not actually driving under the power of uh, electricity, but they were simply being steered down a hill. That was the basis of a, a fraud action uh, that went to the Securities and Exchange Commission and, and it resulted in uh, Trevor Milton, the CEO, uh, stepping back. He's still an investor, but he's stepping back and he paid uh, the company has paid a $125 million, uh, fine. It will have paid uh, in installments over a couple of years and uh, they're sort of suing Trevor Milton to get that money back. And I'm sure they will. The latest figures, they've got, they've got trucks They've got battery electric deals with a handful of companies. They've got a fuel cell truck that's on trial with Anheuser-Busch, the, the, the beer company. Then they're moving on to uh, building a hydrogen hub, and then they'll set up uh, distribution of hydrogen for truck trucking routes across California. Th they seem to be ahead of their plan, and the number of trucks that they believe they can make, both here in the U.S. and in Europe, in partnership with uh, Iveco, 
the Italian uh, truck company. You know, it, it just you add it up. You know, the average truck of that size, of, sort of class eight truck, is two hundred seventy thousand dollars if it's electric. And you add you you add that up, and 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 they talk about initially two and a half thousand trucks being made in the factory and then when it's fully automated and it's been done properly it rise to 20,000 trucks in the American um, Arizona factory and a similar half that number in the German German plant it can sell everything it's um, it's it's making right now so eventually you know an implied revenue of about eight billion dollars by 2024 uh, and if that happens I think, you know, yeah, okay, Hindenburg were right. The previous CEO was a, something of a clown, but that's been fixed. And and luckily, it had, the company had enough money, and the new CEO has, has got it back on track. Uh, I can just see this um, uh, going back to that $20 billion valuation, not perhaps in 12 months, but certainly in 18, as, as it rolls out quarter after quarter. The whole sector's down. When you look at people like Lucid and people like Rivian, the whole sector's down. They came down because of something that was said about Tesla, and then Tesla produced stunning results. So Tesla went back up, and the sector didn't come with it. I think when you're looking away at Russia and you're looking at a resurgence of fracking companies in America, you're looking at the oil companies slowing their energy transition because they've got tons of money, and, and why change it? It's not broken. In that environment, the American investors yeah, are not quite so keen on hydrogen and clean investments. But I think, that, I, don't, I think that's just time, and it comes back, and it will come back. And this is one of the companies I, I just think uh, will benefit from that at some point.